Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant assistance of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we're here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim. From bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. I hope you'll have as much fun listening to our conversations as we have had. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile company in the world, from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man, Gary Bagnall, who still runs it. ZooMed provides supplies and information for every imaginable exotic pet, particularly renowned as the world's expert on UVB and heat lighting. ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools, which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. Dr. Doug and I were going to be jumping in with goodness knows what this week, iguanas, parrots, ball pythons, but instead, we're going to take a minute to respond to some of the rather emotional responses that Dr. Doug has had to last week's show, which was saying that an expert in veterinary care is not necessarily a specialist and that people who are not board certified in a specialty shouldn't really call themselves specialists. So Dr. Doug, I wanted to give you a chance because there were ruffled feathers and the last thing we want to do is offend anybody, obviously. We're both pretty nice people and we love all veterinarians. Talk a little bit, if you would, about the kind of responses you got and how we want to explain ourselves better. Hey, Tracy. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole point of uh, the podcast was to discuss the word specialist. You know, the American Veterinary Medical Association has a very specific meaning for that word. And a specialist is somebody who has met some extremely rigorous criteria, whether it's training, experience, um, publications, um, congresses, uh, you name it, <clears throat> but very, very rigid criteria. And then in many cases, they have to, to take and pass an extremely rigorous test. And a lot of the specialty uh, boards now require that they retest every five to 10 years to maintain their specialty status. So it's a very elite group, very highly educated group. Um, the, the sad thing is, and, and you have to have met all those criteria in, you, in order to use the term specialist. Right. In other words, I've been doing surgery for nearly four decades, and I think I'm a pretty darn good surgeon, but <laughs> I can't call myself a specialist. I'm not a, sur I'm not a surgery specialist. I'm maybe an expert, but I am certainly not a specialist. I can call myself a um, canine feline practice specialist because I did the residencies, I took the tests, I did the publications, and so I met all the criteria, and so I am a specialist in canine feline practice. I am not a specialist in surgery, even though I may be very good at it. So 
one of the things I wanted to point out is that there are people out there that are not specialists, but they are extremely talented. And you can certainly call these people experts. And there's no, no shame in that at all. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. There's a Dr. Alex Villalobos out in California who's been practicing oncology, which is a study of cancer medicine, for decades. And she was doing it before they had a board specialty in oncology. And she is by far one of the world's leading experts in animal oncology. But she's not a specialist, so she can't call herself a specialist. She doesn't call herself a specialist, but she is an expert. And she is so good, in fact, she's written textbooks. And That's right. even veterinary specialists in oncology will not uncommonly refer to her skill sets and reach out to her for consults because she's so good at it. In the exotic pet world, I have several friends that are also experts, and they are not boarded in small animal medicine, avian medicine, reptile medicine, but these are people that have been doing it for three, four, four and a half decades and have so much experience. And not only do they have experience, Tracy, but these are people that have made it their personal mission to stay on top of the literature and they read all the journals, they go to all the conferences, they attend all the laboratories, and they are just as talented, if not more so, than many of the people that are actually legitimately qualified specialists. And so again, just because you're not a specialist doesn't mean that you don't know what you're doing. Um, and you can certainly be an expert. And just because you are a specialist doesn't mean you have the same level of experience as somebody who isn't a specialist is. For instance, Somebody who just finishes a residency in exotic pet medicine, which is three years after school, they do their publications, they um, sit and they take their test. Okay, so they've, they've done all the academic learning, but they don't have the life learning. They don't That's have right. the 10, 15, 20, 25 years of experience of cases going well and cases going poorly um, to make themselves an expert. So you can be a specialist and not an expert, and you can be an expert and not a specialist. And I know that's confusing, but the take-home message for the listeners is if you're shopping around, okay, don't just shop for the term specialist. It's your duty, and it really is important that you take the time to do some research and look up the person online. I mean, pretty much everybody is on, has an online presence now. Whether they have a social media profile or not, you can look up and get an idea of their backgrounds and where they've worked and what their resumes are. And you can do your homework and contact some people, make some emails, make some phone calls, and find out who's really good and who's just out of school and kind of a little bit wet behind the ears. That's, that's really well put. I mean, one of the, the beauties of the Internet, I don't Google people, which is unusual because I interview so very many people. I ask them to send me a little bio about themselves. I don't Google them because either it's going to be a deep dive into, I don't know, pages of bio about them. Or maybe there's stuff posted that is negative or incorrect. But in fact, you can get, if you take your time, I was an investigative journalist. In the days when you had to go to a library and there was a card file, and the card file would you would alphabetically look up the topic you wanted, and then you go to a microfiche machine that would scroll through old newspapers and magazines. I mean, it makes me sound like I'm 117. But the internet and the fact <coughs> that it's a pool of such extraordinary information about everybody, about everything. We definitely don't recommend that you get your information from Dr. Google, because that's an amalgamation of many things, many of them driven by money. So you have to be really careful where you're looking, whether it's human medicine or animal medicine. But to look up information about an individual, 
while sometimes it feels to me like snooping, it's actually quite wonderful. And most doctors have a LinkedIn presence that anybody can access, or on the or if they're still an academic, or they're teaching at a university or part of it, there's a bio of them there. It's so it's really easy to do. On the other hand, you might read it all and go, gosh, I don't know, does this mean they're going to really be good at figuring out why my reptile won't eat? So, I mean, for just a second, Doug, what about that? I mean, if somebody is a specialist, they're definitely going to, in, let's say, reptile or amphibian, they're definitely going to know answers to any head scratching you have about your reptile, yeah? Well, they should, but you have to remember, too, that sometimes specialists are so specialized that their focus may be very narrow. For instance, I have one colleague who's incredibly well-known, and he basically does nothing but he, – he's, he's a reptile specialist, but he does nothing but virology. And so oh, if you really? ask him how to fix a broken bone, he's going to go, I don't know, call Doug Mater. But if you <laughs> ask him something about um, coronavirus and a rattlesnake, he can tell you everything that's ever been published. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. I mean, as you said, it is a, a very – elite, highly educated group. And you might call them geeks or nerds of very specialized medicine, but that is a compliment. They they care so much about this narrow, ever-narrowing stream of information and knowledge and skill sets that they've they've drilled it down. It's it's interesting that you mentioned Alice Villalobos, who had become such a wonderful friend of mine over the years of my going to vet conferences. And I I have, I bought her textbook as a kind of tip of the hat to her on oncology, big, fancy-looking, completely academic textbook with way too many big words for me to understand. But I thought, heaven forbid any of my animals get some kind of rare or confusing cancer. Maybe I'll look it up first as opposed to going to Dr. Google. And then at some point, someone pointed out to me, well, you know, Doctor, and she's won these great awards from the, you know, AVMA, or she's she's greatly beloved, Southern California doc. And someone said, well, you know, she's not a board certified oncologist. And I thought, oh my God, Alice, you called yourself an oncologist. I I, I didn't I didn't know I wasn't going to confront her, but I thought, is she a charlatan? And then it turned out there was no such thing as a board certified oncologist when she, as a pioneer, began looking into it. So. There's, there's layers to the idea of expert and specialist, right? But she still would not call herself a specialist. Is that right? No, she, she's ethical, extremely ethical, and she would not call herself a specialist. She would definitely call herself an expert, and rightly so, because she is by far one of the world's best. Yeah. So I, I guess really that's what we're going to conclude by saying to you. We didn't mean to offend any doctor who's who's has marvelous expertise, great skills, knowledge, whether they've just came out of UC Davis or they're, you know, 10 years out of U of P, but they didn't spend those extra three years becoming a specialist in some subspecialty. They're really great doctors, but they really should not be waving a flag that calls themselves specialists. And some are doing it. And I want to say that a lot of Doug's friends who are, as I'm discovering, absolutely everybody in the veterinary world worldwide, um, they're grateful, the specialists who did put in that extra time and chose to do it. They're very grateful that that, that you did differentiate, both for their sake, out of respect to them and their fellow veterinarians and to the people looking for their care. So we salute everybody looking after animals, but we really want you as as consumers of medical care and advice to be aware 
because we don't want people claiming to be something they're not, which in the end of the day may not affect your parrot, may not affect your iguana, may not affect your bearded dragon. But on the other hand, we, we want everyone to be on the up and up. So we appreciate you taking all the care you can of your exotics, including vet visits when you have any doubts about their wellness, but just be very conscious of who you're going to. Doug, what if there, what if people don't have access to an exotic expert well, veterinarian? Let me just, let me just um, kind of restate a couple of your points, which are extremely, extremely important. <clears throat> and that is just because you take your pet to a veterinarian, it's not a specialist. It doesn't mean that you're not getting quality care because as, as I mentioned, there are a lot of extremely talented experts right. out there that never got boarded and or took the specialty exams, but they're just as talented, if not more so in many cases. So do your homework and get the background. You know, that's yep. the important thing. When, yep. um, I mean, Tracy, you know, but the listeners don't. And I was run over by a drunken driver and I've had over 20 surgeries. And trust me, every time I'm going into the hospital, I do a deep, I do, I do a deep dive into the surgeon because I want to make sure whoever's pulling out that knife on me knows what they're doing. Well said. Um, but yeah, okay, you brought up a really good point, and I learned this a long time ago, and I think it's the coolest little tech or trip tip, and that is, let's say you're moving into a new town, and you have a dog, a cat, a, barret, a parrot, and a rabbit, and you want to find a good veterinarian. You know, Tracy, one of the neatest things to do, the easiest things to do, is just call up the local pet store and say, "Hey, oh. my name is my name is Tracy. I just I, I just moved here. I've got a dog, a cat, a parrot, and a rabbit. What veterinarians do you recommend?" Pet stores know everything about everything. That's a everything, great idea. You know, that's, and that's you know, a great idea. Listen to it with a filter, because they may say, "Hey, you know that Doug Mater, um, he's super expensive, but you know, he knows his <laughs> stuff." Um, and then there's that, uh, Dr. John and Jane Doe, the husband and wife team, they're really, really inexpensive, but yeah, their medicine is so, so, but they're cheap. Um, so, you know, kind of listen to what they have to say. And I, I don't mind if somebody says I'm expensive because I feel like I can charge what I'm worth. Um, but what I do mind is if people don't think I do a good job in terms of medicine that hurts and then I'm going to do everything I can to fix it. So, you know, the pet store is going to tell you, oh, yeah, so-and-so is really, really good, but they're expensive. And so-and-so, you know, hey, you know, really nice bedside manner and, and very affordable. So that's a good, homer, dis- good distinction. That's a great way to great way to find somebody. And, the, and the one thing to say to those of you listening who may not yet be exotic pet owners, but you're curious about this new direction that I'm going in with this marvelous captain of my raft, which is Dr. Doug, pet stores in the dog and <clears throat> cat world equals, ooh, terrible, bad if they're selling any live animal, as opposed to just a place to get foods and supplements. But in the exotic pet world, some of the finest experts and most passionate devotees of every kind imaginable, amphibian, reptile, bird, fish, all of it, anything like that, this is their life. They adore it, and they've steeped themselves in it, probably for generations in their own families sometimes. So when we say pet store and knowledge about animals, we we obviously mean exotic animals because we understand that dogs and cats that might be in a pet store have definitely come from mass market production of puppies and kittens, but that's not the case with the exotics. So I just want to make that clear because there are such cool people that own the pet stores that have the crazy, unusual exotics in them. And those are people, as Doug said, to seek out for more reasons than one, for food, for equipment, for everything. Right, Doug? 
Yep. All right. All right, you guys. So you're off on your own. I hope that your exotics don't need anything more than their yearly exam. But one day, Doug and I will do a show on which animals really do need a yearly exam or should you just leave them to their own devices. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Tracy. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets, brought to you by the fine family of animal lovers at ZooMed Laboratories, where they make everything you could need to give your exotic its best possible life. Are you an experienced reptile snake breeder or gecko breeder, or are you looking to pick up your first pet bearded dragon? ZooMed is sure to have what you need so you can confidently care for your exotics. If you have a question for Dr. Doug to answer on the show, feel free to reach out to me on our contact page at tracyhotchnerpets.com, spelled T-R-A-C-I-E-H-O-T-C-H-N-E-R-Pets.com. Thanks for listening.